Shut up and sit down. Hello strangers and welcome to episode 64 of Strangers in the Cinema. I am one of your hosts, Paul Anderson, um, here today without Pete Wall, uh, who has decided that the welfare of his students and getting them through exams come above the podcast, um, which to be fair, I think is is rightly so. Um, But don't worry, you're not here with me alone. Uh, I'm here with another guest host, that's right, another person has wanted to come onto this podcast. Uh, I'm here with one Claire Clark. Hello Claire, how are you? Hello, hello, hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Well, thank you, yes. thank you for joining us uh, and and filling in for for Pete kind of at the last minute. Although this was kind of planned, but this has worked out quite well. Um, Claire, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of what you do and and that kind of thing, and then we'll get into the show proper. Okay. Well, um, I work very closely with the team on of the Exit Six Film Festival that's held in Basingstoke. Um, we've not re- not too long ago completed our second year, which was brilliant really great good turnout great filmmakers and short films um because that's what the the festival was all about showing short films and and that side of storytelling and uh, already we're having meetings about next year about uh dates and venues and what we've got planned so it's it's all uh steaming ahead which is brilliant so you know mark quite well then our our previous i do in fact i would have thought as we all do i think so (laughs) yeah Boss Man Brennan. Yeah, He's the boss. boss Man Brennan. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I've yet to refer to him as Boss Man Brennan, but um, <laughs> yes, watch this space on that one. So, well, yes, welcome to Strangers in the Cinema. Uh, Jack's here as well, aren't you, Jack? Say hello. Yeah, hello. Yeah. How are you? How are you, Jack? Are you I'm right? doing all right. Okay? Yeah. I'm going to make a concerted effort to leave you alone this week. Um, okay. <laughs> because it's been noted that I seem to pick on you week in, week out. No, so, I don't mind. So, Claire, if you do sense that I'm picking on him, um, then... <laughs> Tell me to shut up and then maybe pick on him yourself. You're more than welcome. Okay. You're more than welcome to have a pop at Jack if you'd like. So, um, I'll try. Yeah. So anyway, so without further ado, um, we're going to step into the in the foyer section uh, where we discuss some, some uh, bits of film news uh, that we're excited about this week. Uh, Claire, as our guest, uh, you would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Um, so I found out only this week that um, Joe Cornish of um, those listening that remember the Adam and Joe show, um, Joe Cornish did uh, Attack the Block back in 2011, um, which was a great film. It was it was a, a horror set in a block of flats, uh, which was very good, very funny as well. And he's just started filming um, The Kid Who Would Be King, um, which is about a schoolboy who finds Escalibur, which um, it sounds it sounds interesting because I mean I love uh, Sword in the Stone, the um, Disney animation from way back when, and of course recently we've had um, Guy Ritchie's um, Arthur. Oh, was it Arthur? King Arthur. King Arthur. The, yeah. The not not so successful, shall we say? No, sadly not. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what Joe Cornish does with this. It won't be straight film, I don't think. It's going to be elements of uh, surrealism and comedy. So that's that's I reckon is going to be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely going for that. I love Joe Cornish, and yes, I vaguely remember the Adam and Joe show still. So uh, yes, uh, I'm no, I'm excited. Um, I've got news of a, of another director that I think we all like on the podcast. Um, 
Toika Wakiti, Watiti, I can never pronounce his name right, uh, and we'll be talking more about him later with one of our feature reviews. Uh, but he's announced that uh, possibly in seven years' time, though, which is a little bit disappointing, um, that we are going to get a sequel to what we do in the shadows called We're Wolves, which is a very witty <laughs> title, I think. Um, working with Jermaine Clement again, so uh, I'm quite excited about this, and I think. I think anyone who I, likes film should be excited about this, in fairness. Yeah, I, I loved what we do in the shadows. It was very funny. Uh, I'm assuming it would be like a mockumentary style again, because that works very, very well. Like uh, what we do in the shadows is about the vampires and what they do in the shadows. But there's some really, really funny bits in there. And I'm sure the characters that you meet in that film is going to have um, feature heavily in in the werewolf film yes, that's no, it should be it should be good uh, and what have, you've got you've got one other thing I think we discussed before didn't yeah we? Um, yeah um, I'm a big fan of uh, Shane Meadows and um, this is England and he, of course he did the film and then it went on to be a Channel 4 series and uh, Noel Clark, who did um, Kid Adulthood I think it's Kid Adulthood Adulthood and Brotherhood um, a tr- trilogy of uh, three films um, they're going to be taking that to the small screen so there's going to be a series of that so that's going to be quite interesting to see how that'll um, adapt for the small screen which I'm, I would imagine it will do very well it's going to be a gritty drama which you know there's an audience for that for sure at home yeah and it's I think it's um it's just, it just goes to show that I mean we mainly cover films on, on the podcast but like the the closer and closer films and TV are getting together now is that you're now getting TV shows based off films and previously I'd say it was normally the other way around so um, it's quite yeah. interesting that they're taking that route um, Lord I of think, the Rings yeah. is apparently getting adapted for a TV series oh, as well I've read this week day. so um, that should be that should be intriguing but no it's I think it's interesting to see how close these things are are getting together and certainly to take TV series out of a film should be um, should be an interesting way to go so so yeah, all good, all good. Uh, right, uh, we'll be back after this with Popcorn Movies. And back indeed we are uh, with our Popcorn Movies of this week. Um, Claire, do you want to go first or shall I jump in? What's your uh, what's your, what's your preference? No, no, you go first. Okay, uh, so I um, decided I would subject myself to deliberately sat down in front of a McGee film. Um, and the reason I say I deliberately sat down in front of a McGee film is because I went to see uh, a few years ago... Um, I think it's called Two Days to Kill or Nine Days to Kill. There's some number and a number of days in which Kevin Costner has to kill people. Uh, And I went to see it because For My Sins are quite like Kevin Costner. And Mm -hmm. as I was sitting in the cinema, I didn't realise I'd unwittingly walked into a McGee film. Um, And this this film, whatever it be be called, uh, I actually um, found myself going to the toilet uh, in the film and then wandering down the escalator and out of the cinema and not back into the film screening. Um, So that that I would describe as as an accidental viewing of a McGee film. Um, the Babysitter, uh, one of Netflix's latest um, sort of own own films, basically, uh, is a McGee film, and I knew this going into it, and I watched it. Um, how do you think it was? Do you think it was any good, directed by McGee? Are you, a, are you aware uh, of his work? <laughs> I, th- I am a little bit. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure in a way, because I've seen the Kevin Costner film, the um, Three Days to Kill. 
Possibly, yeah. There's a number of days to kill. Yeah, it is, yeah. And, <laughs> and I enjoyed it, but then I like okay. like you, Kevin Costner, he'll yeah. always be Robin Hood, um, <laughs> but also his, his later stuff, he's always doing interesting, different things, and... So yeah, <laughs> and it's on Netflix. Did you say? This? Yeah, the babysitter is on Netflix. So the um, babysitter. Yeah, the babysitter. So basically, to, just to set up the babysitter, you have um, your kind of stereotypical kind of geeky kid uh, who has this um, incredibly, incredibly hot sort of eighteen, nineteen year old um, babysitter who who fills the, like, all the sort of teenage boys' dreams uh, for what an American girl should look like, really. Um, and all is not what it seems, um, and the babysitter is harbouring some fairly dark satanic secrets, um, which all sounds like it should be quite good fun and make for kind of a, a kind of a cheery sort of laugh out loud horridy horror comedy. Horridy, that's a new I've just come up with the genre there. A horridy, uh, a horror comedy. Um, unfortunately, this film is is neither funny or or scary, um, and there are so many points in it where it's so desperate to please a cine-literate audience. I've never seen a film more jam-packed with references to other films. Like almost, there's a, there's a Seven reference, there's an E.T. reference, there's probably a Star Wars reference, there's an X, there's just, there's, oh, there's every, there's Godfather references. They're, they're so littered, but it just comes across, for me at least, as, as the filmmaker just trying so desperately and tragically hard to kind of fit in with, with more film-literate people. And for me, it just, it was just painfully painfully unfunny um and just not not good i would say steer steer well clear of the babysitter or yeah or or watch it if you really want to if you really want to be annoyed for 90 minutes because that's basically how it left me i'm curious now because i always like to see the things that get poor reviews it's like why did it get a poor review so i might just watch it just i'll try it but you know try Uh, it and that's that's the thing it's it's such a shame because they you know those i didn't i didn't go into expecting it to be a classic don't don't get me wrong but i thought how can they really make this bad at least it's going to be halfway entertaining but it's just the the jokes are awkward it's it's a bit creepy it's a bit leery and a bit creepy more than it is funny to to be frank so um yeah, that was that was the babysitter. So I d- did not enjoy that. Jack will probably like it though. So oh no, yes. I've done it. I had to dig at Jack. I'm sure? sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You should. Yeah. Uh, right. Sorry about that. Right, Claire. What have you got for us? Well, I revisited Teen Wolf, the 1985 Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox, um, which I remember loving as a kid. Um, so it's, it was Halloween. I thought we'll, we'll sit down and watch it again and. We all loved it. I mean, I loved it for nostalgia's sake, um, but my two kids enjoyed it too, you know, and they're four and eight. So there was something for everyone. And um, watching it again, it was interesting because you you watch things as a kid, you have a perspective. Watching it as an adult, you've got another perspective. And mine was very much about how many of the kind of teen movie John Hughes nuances of a teen movie about how it's about... Um, searching for your identity and hiding your true self because for those who don't know Teen Wolf it's about a teen werewolf who's at school and he's a nice quiet boy and then when he gets angry or het up he starts sprouting hair from his um, from his chest there's puberty <laughs> for you um, the back of the hands he gets nails then, and he's got fangs and it's kind of dealing with changes and, and dealing with self um, but along with that, there's humour, there's the whole sports thing because he's involved in a, the school basketball team who are awful. They're really, really terrible until one day, which leads to my, my favourite scene of the film, actually. Um, they're playing 
a match. Is it match in basketball? A game? <laughs> so so rubbish with sports. We'll let you off as a film um, podcast, you're fine. <laughs> thanks, thanks, yeah. Well, not a question of sport or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah and uh, yeah, so he's in the middle of this game that they're losing, and then he gets really, really angry, and that's the first time he has a full-on, full transformation into a werewolf in front of everyone that's there. And the scene is fantastic where, you know, he's, they're all huddled over him, and all you can hear, like, the his blood pressure rising and then it just goes he just bursts out as this werewolf and it goes silent everyone is just dumbstruck and there's no score there's no sound at all all you can hear is him bouncing the ball so it's like a you know this slow that sounded exactly like a basketball have you actually got a basketball there that's impressive (laughs) (laughs) no no that was my dining room table um but yeah it was just it's, it's a lovely bit of filmmaking and then it goes into what the 80s movies are so good at and that is um, a montage with synth music it's flipping awesome so it carries on with the match and or game um, and then having a successful excess successful game and then the montage goes into into him life at school and about how suddenly when he's the wolf he's cool and he's popular and the girls all you know give him the looks they never gave him before but inside of this wolf is this very shy timid lovely boy next door type thing so it's a kind of that Jekyll and Hyde who should he stick with the wolf or being himself and it's just brilliant I I was really pleased that we watched it again it's one of those uh, classics that even though it's set in the 80s it's, it's still got stuff that resonates it's not really really dated and the bits that have dated is just it's funny, did you know. You, you kind the, of love it. Did you spot the mistake at the end? Um, are you aware? Are you aware of this mistake at the end of, no. the end of Teen Wolf? You didn't spot it. Uh, no. is, I believe it's in the final shot in the basketball court, and I don't. But to this day, I don't believe it's been cut. There is a man just standing there, bottom half naked, in the crowd. Of <laughs> there genuinely is. Watch it again. Have a look for that scene. I'm sure I it's will. on YouTube I somewhere. It genuinely is there, and it. Ne- I, as far as I'm aware, it's never been cut. I think I, I saw oh. it. I watched it a few years ago and did spot it there, and it, it's hilarious. And I think it's just <laughs> one of those things that just never got noticed. I think you, you have to. I think I'd read on a website like movie mistakes that it is there. You have to. Obviously Obviously, look for it. Otherwise, it would have been picked up by the editor. But yeah, kind of, it kind of is a slightly darker end to Teen Wolf, to be honest. When when you watch that bit, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's gonna just ruin it for me. Oh, yeah. That sounds <laughs> so yeah, that but, is that's one of the great. That's one of the great movie gaps. I think is that is that somehow got left in, whether or not previous cuts. I don't think I've I don't think I've seen it for a while, but certainly the last version of it I watched it was still in there. Uh, but yes, so don't let that don't let that spoil Teen Wolf for you though, because that was a glowing <laughs> review that I feel, feel I've I won't now, try so. and find that. Yeah, I won't try and find that with my kids in the room. Don't no, I? but certainly try and find that bit because it is hilarious. <laughs> it's still, I'm sure it's on YouTube, and it's so when you once you know it's there, it's so painfully obvious, and it's genuinely hilarious. So uh, yeah, look out for that bit. I've lowered the tone there, uh, so I apologise, and we will. We'll move on um, to my next popcorn movie, um, which is um, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, um, which I went to see on Halloween um, at the cinema for the first time, which is pretty cool. I'm loving, I'm loving the fact now that there is um, a lot more classic films seem to be coming to the cinema. Um, yeah. I, I don't know whether it's the same um, in Bay. You live in Basingstoke, don't you? Unless I'm mistaken. I do. Yeah. I don't know whether it's the same in, in with View Cinemas in Basingstoke, but Cineworld certainly seem to be showing a lot more classic films at the cinema now. We've had the, mm-hmm. we've had the Shining. We've got Predator. You guys have got Predator coming as well, haven't yeah. you? Is it Thursday? I've- 
It's next Thursday. Okay. No, this Thursday. Sorry, yeah. this Thursday. Yeah. I've never seen it, believe it or not. I've never seen Predator. Oh, you're so, going for a treat. Um, I, I'm going with my husband. And uh, to bring us back to uh, Boss Man Brennan, um, I did say to him I'd never seen it, and I've seen it for the first time at cinema. And he, he said, oh, I'm envious. I'm, I'm jealous that you've never seen it, and your first experience of it will be on the big screen. I, so that's kind I of I agree with that, actually, because um, I've done it a few episodes ago. Uh, me and Pete were talking about Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, and Pete had never seen Close Encounters before the cinema. So I was actually actually again like quite jealous in that way i was like well that is you know that's the first time you should see any film really is on the big screen so um yeah yeah predator predator's a treat um so yes depending on depending on how much you enjoy today we might get you back on next week to to talk about predator because <laughs> as far as i'm aware pete's going and certainly i'm going um so yeah we may we may be interesting to hear your thoughts on predator for the first time but i mean right. I, I, I i i just i like this thing about showing more classic films in the cinema i think it's i think it's a good idea i think it's i think it's important to do as well um, I think it's hugely important because I don't like remakes. They make me oh, just leave it alone. You know, yeah. if 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 the film was good enough the first time round, why remake it? Why not just re-release it? Re- re-release it? Yeah. So you get to everyone gets to see it again because you know. Just um, <laughs> we're going back to Teen Wolf. We watched it originally. We recorded it off of five recently, and for some reason it cut off the end of the recording like the, the end so of the film it's probably for what I just talked film. about yeah it's probably for oh, that reason yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we were like no what's happened so I then had to I popped into town went to HMV asked the nice young man behind the counter if they had a copy of it and he said what the series I went no Team Wolf you know Michael J. Fox. I can see, what listeners can't see at home is the disdain in your eyes when the guys are all serious. Even now, I I feel sorry for the nice nice young man in HMV who uh, who had the temerity to offer you the series. Yeah, Yeah. I read red. I ripped his throat out. But I couldn't quite believe that, um, yeah, he had no idea what it was. So, uh, yeah, I did did manage to to find it, thankfully, um, on DVD. But that is sometimes how you you need to find it... um, rather than seeing it at the cinema yeah. and I can't quite remember why I got back onto Team Wolf but uh, yeah anyway, it's just the a generation thing things need to be re-released yes, for sure The Shining which brings us back onto The Shining yes so mm-hmm. I saw The Shining at the cinema for the first time it is a film I have seen quite a few times before but I will admit actually not for a number of years when I saw it this time round um, and it's I mean it's it doesn't really need to be said but it, The Shining is an absolutely incredible film I think it's one of Kubrick's best um, it's one of my favourite horror films not my not my favourite but one of my favourite horror films um, and it's just it's just got such a weird sort of woozy atmosphere about it and Jack Nicholson I mean that's and that's before you even talk about Jack Nicholson's performance just the, the weird dreamlike atmosphere that just catches you off guard and what I forget is that every time I watch The Shining is how quickly things go mad like it, it escalates so quickly and actually like there's that I do, I do how I don't know how well you remember it do you remember the the horrible scene in the bath with the old woman do you remember that oh scene? gosh yeah yeah oh, that's scene in the old yeah, lady in the bath the, is yeah that's, that's the scene that for some reason I'd, I'd kind of forgotten a bit about and I was just like what is this now so yeah the the atmosphere is incredible it, it looks absolutely spectacular as you'd expect and like the kind of design 
there's been there's that room there's the documentary room 237 have you seen that about i've not seen it i've heard that yeah for me that documentary um was seemed to be made by some people with too much time on their hands because they threw like (laughs) seemingly like uh, well almost 237 different theories about the film the shining uh you learn learn bits and pieces but but some of the things you learn in that is like the the overlook hotel is designed as a maze so actually that Mm -hmm. if you actually pay attention the hotel wouldn't work in the way that it's laid out and things like that and like the attention to detail is fantastic, and Jack Nicholson's performance is just just terrifying in The Shining. Just, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, he's a great actor anyway. He's given us a lot of fantastic performances, but I think this is certainly one of his best. I think so. Um, yeah, no, it was it was nice to nice to see it um, on the big screen, and just nice to see it again, full stop, really. And long may it continue them releasing sort of classics at the cinema. So um, yes, all good. Right after this, we will be back with coming attractions. So Coming Attractions, uh, for those of you who aren't regular listeners, is where we talk about some or a trailer that we're excited about for a film that is imminently or not far off being released. Imminently and not far off meaning exactly the same, so I don't know why I've used two words there, so apologies. Um, Claire, as I've jumped in first on popcorn movies, um, you can take this one. What, what film are you excited about that's due out soon? Um, Paddington 2. Yes. I really am. I love the first one. It's just so British in the best possible way. It was just quaint and lovely and and everyone wants a Paddington in their own home but not flooding the house and things like that. But it's just, <laughs> you're, really, you're really invested in this little character, whether you, as a child, reading the books or whatever. But I thought it was just so beautifully done and his animation, the way they cr- created that creature was just so believable you can let your imagination really go with it so i'm looking very much looking forward to the second one well i think that the thing with the first um the first paddington is that i i did not expect it to be any good and i don't think a lot of people expect it to be any good because i remember when they announced that paddington i think was going to be cgi there was something of an outcry at that point um no one really knew because it's paul king isn't it the director i think who yes. who worked yeah. who directed um certainly quite a lot of the mighty boosh i believe um and did um, something and the no I've completely forgotten the name of the film I'm looking uh, right at my Blu-ray shelf um, but I can't think of the name of the film there's another comedy that he did that was very very funny but again not not like kiddie centric in the slightest um, I've completely forgotten the name of it now so we'll move on from that but yeah so I don't think with Paddington anyone really expected it to be any good um, yet alone in my opinion really really good so I, I genuinely share your excitement for Paddington too um, I've booked to see it Friday night actually so I'm, so I'm looking forward to that the, the early press has been very good so uh, yeah Paddington 2 should be great the trailer is up now um, so if you haven't seen that trailer yet then uh, make sure that you do um, I am I say excited, uh, kind of, I'm exci- I am excited about uh, James Franco's um, The Disaster Artist. Um, you, we were talking off air, Claire. Did you say you've seen this trailer and weren't sure what to make of it at all? I've, I've seen the trailer, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, because um, James Franco, I find always kind of a, a strange... Yes. A strange actor in that you never... He, do, he, does, he hasn't got like a... A thing. He's like he does a bit of everything. I loved him in Danny Boyle's um, number, <laughs> the days. Uh, you know, and he's like, yes, he's uh, twenty-seven hours. 
hours that's it thank yeah. you um I, I he held that film completely on his own and then he'll do something like pineapple express where he's um crazy stoner you know yeah. he's, so for him to do this project didn't surprise me it'd be interesting to see what he's he's done with it have you seen the film that it's based on because if you haven't you need to see the film called the room and the actor that he's playing is a guy called tommy whistle or tommy whistle um and basically, he self finances this this film himself. The film is so I'm ne- I I have a kind of a fundamental problem with the term "so bad it's good." If that makes sense, uh-huh. I would yeah. say certainly "so bad it's funny." Um, like those the, the little scene. I don't. You've probably seen the trailer where he di- he comes out onto the rooftop and says that line of dialogue. Um, yeah, that is just it, it, it's so bad. And the guy basically, when you look at the credits, you've got the same guy directing, acting, producing. Uh, <laughs> he set up this this film himself. Um, find it, but it, it, I don't think it ever got general release over here. So you'll be able to find it somewhere, shall we say? Uh, but certainly find the room um, and watch it in advance. There is um, there is actually, I think Paul Rudd and James Franco and those guys. This is how this film came about. They did actually set up screenings of it of the film where they went dressed as the characters uh, and bought plastic cutlery with them because for no reason at all in the actual film the room there's plastic cutlery just put up around the place and it's just so so badly made that it is I was going to say so bad it's funny not so bad it's good so definitely watch the room uh, find the room before you see the disaster artist and then when you watch the trailer for the disaster artist it will all make sense you'll go I get this now I totally get what he's he's done with this now so um, but yeah be prepared for some uh, yeah some pretty horrible scenes in the room um, because it's just so so bad, but a, a lot of fun at the same time. But what's weird is the director now um, is now claiming the director of the room is now claiming that he meant it to be a comedy all along. Uh, I'm not buying that. No, uh, I'm, I'm not buying that. But serious, <laughs> find that. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred pounds. Find the room and, and watch the room. Um, yeah, and then go back to the, the disaster artist, which is out. I think in a couple of months. I don't know exact release date for that. Uh, Paddington Two is out Friday. Um, but that is it about it for coming attractions. So we'll be back. So feature reviews time. Um, what have we got this week for you? I've once again forgotten to say that at the beginning, which we had started doing and I've forgotten to do. So that shows the level of professionalism that happens when Pete's away. Um, so yes. Uh, so this week's feature reviews. Um, we have got um, the murder or murder on the Orient Express, um, Kevin Branagh's latest effort. Um, and also... Um, I wouldn't say this is cheeky, to be honest, but we're also going to do as a feature this week, Tokika Watiti, who we talked about earlier, and I've pronounced his name in yet another way, uh, his 2010 film, uh, Boy. Um, And the reason we're doing that is because Film 4 screened this on Friday night, and it's the first release in the UK. The film is previously unreleased in the UK, so I'm judging that. And Jack, what do you think? I think, absolutely. Do you think that's fair? Claire, do you think that's fair? Do you think that judges as a UK release? Definitely, definitely. Good. Well, we've already agreed to do it, but yeah, it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. So we're going to cover Boy from 2010 because that Friday, that Friday night screening uh, counts as its UK release as far as we're concerned on Strange in the Cinema. And that's that's all we need to say on that. So, right. So we'll jump into um, Murder on the Orient Express. Um, I'll do my best to set it up. Uh, regular listeners will know that I'm terrible at this bit in Pete's absence, so you'll probably get what I've described as a, a kind of a, a Peter Bradshaw review um, as a synopsis, as a brief sort of setup. Of the film, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So yes, Murder on the Orient Express is based on 
I believe an Agatha Christie novel. Am I correct? There is any? It's not something. Correct. I'm, it's not. No, no. An author I'm familiar with at all. So um, yes. So based on an Agatha Christie novel, um, Kenneth Branagh plays the uh, legendary detective Hercule Poirot, um, and as the title may give you a clue to, someone is murdered on the Orient Express, and Kenneth Branagh decides to investigate. Here's a clip. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to... Um, uh, it appears that our bad luck has worsened. That is... A passenger has died on the train. He was murdered. Good God. Murder here. Alas, madame. God rest his soul. As we are snowbound, I have elected to take the case and find for my friend, Monsieur Book, the criminal. And why you? My name is Hercule Poirot. And I am probably the greatest detective in the world. Now, I had never heard Kenneth Branagh do a, a French accent before. And I have to say, when I first started watching this, for the first five minutes, I kept thinking, God, he sounds like Eddie Izzard. And I was waiting for him to go into an Eddie Izzard sketch, like talking about some, something bizarre. But, um, but I, I loved Kenneth Branagh as Poirot. I thought he was, he was charming and witty and calm and... I, I really liked liked his character a lot, and I really loved the spectacular face furniture. That moustache is incredible. annoyed me throughout. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, I'm a pogonophile. I love facial hair. I love beards. I usually have full beard. I'm a bit fussy about moustaches. You'll learn a little bit about me here, because there's only a few guys that get away with moustaches, and that is one of them is Burt Reynolds. Right. Well, Another one, can see that. Tom Selleck. Yeah, okay. And, Seri- serious moustaches, then. Yeah, Jude Law in uh, Sherlock. Right. In Sherlock. But I do, I do applaud Kenneth Branagh's uh, moustache in this. It, it is magnificent. It might just be jealousy, uh, because listeners are going to learn a thing or two about me now, is that I can neither grow a proper moustache or a beard of any description <laughs> at, at the age of 35 years old. So it might be that Kenneth Branagh's moustache is annoying me because it's just jealousy. So we, we, might, we might write it down as that. Uh, Jack uh, is the age of what twelve, wherever you are, yeah. can actually grow more facial hair than me. So, um, so yeah, so it might just be jealousy of why I didn't like Kenneth Branagh's moustache. But let's let's get back onto what did you think of the Kenneth Branagh's performance? I liked what what did you think of the I, see, what did you think of the film as as a whole? And then I'll say my thoughts because I think we might we might differ here, but we shall see. We shall see. Okay. Well, um, I am familiar with dear dear Ken's theatre work. I've seen a number of his plays that he's directed and a couple Dear that Ken, he's... Dear Ken, it sounds like you're good friends. Dear Ken, yeah. <laughs> we are. We're, you know, we're so chummy. Um, <laughs> we have seen um, uh, him a few times on stage in Shakespeare and in comedies and he's, he's, he's timing, comic timing is brilliant. And although the, there is a little, little bits of comedy in this, it's not a comedy comedy, but his delivery of stuff, it, you just have that little... <laughs> you know, like a little chuckle to yourself because he's such a lovely character. Um, but I did notice, um, in a really good way, that with his directing of this and you know starring in it, um, the performances that he got from a massive ensemble cast um, was very um, uh, theatre-driven. In that, the cameras stayed on those characters for quite a long conversation without cutting away and it's very much like how I, I why I love going to the theatre and seeing screen actors on stage is that they really have to prove themselves because there is no editing no cutting away no on, on set directing it felt like um, they must have really talked about these characters and rehearsed it and then 
went to set and shot it um, so they could let these these conversations kind of develop and really play out without being cut away to anything so um, what I really I really appreciate that kind of, that side of things the performances were brilliant um, and I can't remember actually how many was it 12 of them on this train or suspects and yes. they're all faces you recognize all of them and um, for me I mean they don't none of them have a lot to work with because it is such an ensemble they've all got fairly small parts in the bigger picture but um Daisy, Daisy I Ridley, Ridley yeah. was brilliant I've only seen her as, as Ray in um, Force Awakens I think that's pretty much and, what she's done feature I don't think she's done much more feature wise to be fair I think she's yeah. got some shorts under her belt I think but I don't think she's done any other features I, uh, I might yeah. be wrong but well, I'm looking forward to see what else she does because I thought she was great she had this really nice presence and uh, I quite liked her character and what she stood for and things like that so um so so performances I thought were fantastic and what I also loved is what dear dear Ken can't do on stage and <laughs> um, but when he um what he, what he does when he's working with film is doing these beautiful sweeping scenic cinematic shots um and certainly with this with, with the journey going um, traveling you see where they are the landscapes and how it changes and and things like that so it's very very visual and it's beautiful all the costumes and makeup and hair and the sets the actual car- carriages train track carriages are amazing they're just beautiful and ornate and you know uh, they also use the um the cinematography to kind of give that sense that they are all stuck on this train in these small carriages because some scenes were actually shot from above and again there was no cutaways it was just the three characters you only see the top of their heads but you're quite happy to see the top of their heads having this conversation because it really does put you in that carriage with them and how they are restricted and makes it very claustrophobic and very very close quarters so um, you'll probably see that I really, really love it. <laughs> I yeah, no, absolutely, no. I think I, I, I think for on most of the points, I would. I, well, I, I think I agree with you on all the points. I just think that for me, I, th- I think the film looked incredible. I think that the look he gave it was it was very cinematic. Certainly, the exteriors of the train, and there's that. I think there's that. There's that shot where it kind of it pans up, and he's just sitting there talking to Daisy Ridley. Just the two of them are talking towards the end of the film. That shot mm-hmm. in particular, I think, I think stood out for me. Um, I have a couple of problems, weirdly enough, with with the theatre like framing of it. For me, I I think I I I have a lot. It's a common problem for me at least, where I found it with um, Fences as well with Denzel Washington that came out last year, which is also mm-hmm. based on a which was based on a play. That was on yeah. Um, is that I I find and theatre directors do this a lot. I find the kind of the stoic still camera work just it doesn't give the film enough life for me. I I understand why he's doing it, and for me that works in the theatre. But I just I want a bit more going on visually than there is. I just found the the film a bit a bit staged for want of a for want of a much better word in, in places. Um, and it's not that I didn't like it because I, I think I, I did and I did I did come out of it going that was that was okay. But that that felt a bit staged for me. Um, and I think that yeah that that is again is going to be personal preference on on whether that works that works for you or not. The other thing you, you mentioned the, uh, the the large ensemble cast. Um, 
do you not find cast with this many stars in a little bit distracting where you're going oh there's another star oh there's another star oh there's another star because I kind of thought okay here's this how is this person going oh there's there's William Defoe. how's he going to be and there's Judy Dench and how's Judy Dench going to react and I find myself going more focused on what performance they're going to give than the performance they are giving if does that if that makes sense I know, I know what you mean yeah I don't know I um <laughs> it was just kind of nice to see um that when it's like a murder mystery type situation if it's the person you immediately recognize you suddenly think he's done it do you know what i mean yeah. it's that <laughs> <laughs> he's got to be him you know because he's true, a face yeah. or whatever so it kind of took that away you are you are you know the guess whoing all the time or how do they fit into this story um but but like I say, because it was such a large ensemble cast and it was only a two-hour film, um, none of them had an awful lot to play with, I think. Um, they were all kind of... Well, other than Kenneth Branagh, he is in every single scene. Yeah. I like and, Kevin. Um, I will, I will say... I, like, I did like Kevin... Kevin uh, Kevin Branagh, Kenneth, Kenneth. Kenneth. Yeah. call him Ken. Yeah, not the other, not the other theatre. Kevin, we'll leave him out of this. Um, yeah, Ke- Kenneth Branagh. Yes, I like Kenneth Branagh a lot in this. In fairness, and I, I said it's not, a, it's not a character I'm familiar with, um, and I certainly am not familiar with. I would say, is, is there a number of Agatha Christie ITV dramas? Am I correct in that assumption, or am I? Is, is Pro, was Pro and oh, I? God, there's was, loads. Yeah, because it was a uh, David, David Suchet. Suchet. David yeah. Suchet. Was he bald with a moustache at one point, or am I just, am oh, I just balding. thinking? Okay, and he had he had the very small moustache that curled at the ends, very okay. small, but maybe the width of his mouth. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there was another one. Another there has been a couple of incarnations. Oh, okay. See, so not like Bond. Yeah, it's not something I'm familiar with at all. Do you think that? I mean, for I said I'll come out going. I think if you. I don't know. This this kind of it, it it still felt a little bit. But I think because of how it was like sort of stoically shot and 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 a little bit for me wooden in places. I think it came out for me feeling a little bit like a, a really nice looking ITV drama. Maybe that's maybe that's a bit. Mean. <laughs> um, well, it's been, but, I I don't often watch period dramas. It's just not my thing. Um, anything that's kind of set before Mad Men just doesn't usually interest me. So like you, I've not watched any of the other. No what Poirot Sunday afternoon type things and it is it's bigger than a Sunday afternoon I mean if you if you were to watch it on a Sunday afternoon you think oh that was that was a very lovely Sunday afternoon type thing but I think it actually can stand up on a Friday night too to be honest I would say I think it's I got a bit say... more for me, it's more of a, I, I like this. We're going to know. We, I think you might be on something here. We decide what day of the week it's worth watching on. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go. I'm probably going to go with more Sunday afternoon than Friday night. I think. Okay. Um, I think I'd be intrigued to see where it goes next because I would say I don't know if you read into this in the same way. I think he, they might be looking to turn this into a franchise from the way the film yeah. ended. Um, yeah. I'd quite happily watch Kevin Branagh in the role again. But for me, I'd want a little bit more going on. Maybe just taking it off the train. I think maybe it's the single yeah. location. I think for the whole film, maybe take it off the strip and take it off the train. Um, yeah, and then and, and then see where it goes. So I would say it was it was okay. Not my favourite film of the year by any stretch, but still decent. No. And it did feel quite different watching someone like this on the big screen. I will give you that. It felt it felt like, it felt unlike anything I've watched for quite some time. So I will give it a lot yeah. of credit for that. To be fair. So um, yes, good. Right, enough with Murder on the Orient Express. We'll be back after this break with a review of Boy. Now, the 
the boy who plays boy, <laughs> um, James Rolleston, I thought it was just so wonderful in this because some child actors, they've got to really carry quite a bit of load with these sort of films and God, did he carry it. I just thought he, he was incredible. Um, and I haven't really seen it. I did IMDb him, as you do, and he hasn't done a huge amount outside of New I've Zealand. I've just realised what I've done. I've given you, you know how I said I'd give you the thumbs up once I've introduced the film when we've done the film clip? I gave yeah. you a thumbs up uh, far too early, so we haven't really told the listeners what the film's about or played the film clip. And that's entirely I, my fault. I know fault. a lot of people that have so, seen it. Um, if, if they haven't seen it, they were, they were foolish. Yes. But yeah, set it up. Yes, that's, so that's uh, Boy is, as we said earlier, Teoka Watiti's, um, I think, well, second feature from 2010, uh, following on from Eagle vs. Shark. Uh, Eagle vs. Shark did get a UK release, uh, and I did watch it some time ago, so it baffles me as to why this has never been released before now. Um, and who did you say the who did you say the boy was played by? Or you you set up the, you set up the plot a little bit as you if you've started to okay. cut you off rudely. So yeah, if you, you pick up the, okay. the plot, and then when you're finished, if you say play a clip, Jack will play a clip, and then you're basically okay. doing my job. So yeah, you're fine. <laughs> okay, I'll give that a go. Okay, so boy um, is written, directed, and starring uh, Taika Waititi. I'm going to have your problem yeah. now. That's why I didn't want to say it again. After this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's about a boy called boy um who's an 11 year old who lives with his grandmother and his cousins and his little brother and um he's, he's sadly lost his mum and his dad is estranged we don't see him so being an 11 year old and having a crazily great imagination he built up his dad to be this wonderful guy who has fought wars and he's He's, you know, friends with Michael Jackson and, you know, it's all these things that an 11-year-old's imagination can really go for, you know, have these daydreams about what his dad must be because he hasn't seen him for a long, long time. And then his dad turns up and it's not quite how he imagined it would be. So I think this film really treads that fine line between comedy and tragedy, but with more comedy than tragedy for sure um it's a wonderful story all set in this um kind of village i would say in new zealand where everything's very basic the kids are always out playing because there is really is nothing else to do and so you kind of you don't you're not surprised that his imagination has really gone places about his dad and his dad is played by taika waititi um so it's kind of nice seeing him performing um because I mean, of course, he does. He is in. He did direct and star in um, what they do in the shadows, um, and he's just the voice of uh, Korg, who, which is brilliant in the the Thor movie, um, Thor Ragnarok. So yeah, um, it's it's great performances all round. I just thought it was a brilliant, brilliant film, and it's kind of it plays nicely with. Um, references of the 80s again in the 80s and Team Wolf <laughs> it seems, seems 80s, to be my era 80s and Wolf themed episode in, in yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, should we have a clip yes do have a clip thank you <laughs> you probably French kiss you too you French kiss all the girls eh bro pretty much not all the girls well here's my trick I tell the girls that I'm afraid of undies and when they want me to go away they show me their undies echo 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 Hey, Chardonnay! 
Want to see some Michael Jackson dance moves? Right, so the clip you just heard there, um, just after he says, want to see some Michael Jackson dance moves, you do actually see some of the finest uh, and most socially awkward Michael Jackson dance moves you've seen outside of probably my wedding reception coming up on Saturday. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I think that this film is just, I mean... Toko Waditi, he's just a joy, isn't he? He is just, a, I, oh, I did, he is. he's just a joy of a man. I was talking to, I was talking to my wife the other day and I was saying, I think I might be a bit in love with him. And I think cause she <laughs> said, she said she'd seen him on the red carpet for Thor Ragnarok and she was like, oh, he is very cool. And I'm like, no, no, I get it. Like, you were allowed to have a crush on him. He's very, very funny. <laughs> uh, he's making films this good and he's only 42. I mean, he would have been, what, this is now 17 years ago so he'd have made this in, he would have made this in his late 20s I would have thought so very very young that's, that's, my maths is terrible there I think but <laughs> yeah, yeah so he'd have he made this all the way back seven years ago seven years not yet so in his 30s not in his late 20s so yeah but still um so yeah he's there's just something about his films like I think you would have to be uh, either not a human being or have a heart of solid granite not to take something from this film. I mean, it's... He did uh, Love the Wilder People as well. Which is which, just incredible. Which is just... Oh, it's, one, it's about... If they're so human, even yeah. when he's talking about being a vampire, it's that humanity that goes along it, that you just get on board with these characters. You want to know what they're doing and how they're dealing with seeing things. And he's, he's very clever at writing affable characters that you want to spend time with. But he also... He... He just he, he manages to balance poignancy and humour so well because at times this this boy is just is genuinely tragic and you actually you you really do feel for the kid at times especially the younger brother uh, and the little oh, animations when the younger brothers at the mother's at the mother's graveside you're just like oh it's just so it's genuinely like tugs at the heartstrings and then suddenly makes you laugh out loud again so mm-hmm. and, and again I think this feels this this does feel similar in in many ways to Hunt for the Wilder People and, and I would say I don't think it's quite as accomplished as Hunt for the Wilder People but that's not to that's not to knock it in the slightest because I think Boy was still excellent but it certainly yeah. you can you can see I think the blueprint for kind of Hunt for the Wilder People in this especially with the with the lead character of Boy but I just thought the and um, yeah the 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 performances were fantastic. Taika Waititi is when he's doing the when he himself is doing the Michael Jackson dance routine. He just like the man has no shame, like absolutely <laughs> shame. And, and the outfit zero inhibitions. And there's that lovely, genuinely lovely bit just after the credits with the the Thriller dance routine. Did you see that bit where he leads the whole yeah. cast in the Thriller dance routine afterwards? Oh, it just yeah, honestly it just melts your heart. Uh, the hacker. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's just brilliant it's, choreography. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's for and I, I normally would hate this as a as a sort of descriptive word it's genuinely a lovely film it, it really is um it's heartfelt constantly funny um up there with his with his best films i think and i think if uh well i've i've ordered it now i think on blu-ray from possibly from germany so you can if if you have missed it on film four you you can get hold of it on sort of, sort of a region b release so i get quite geeky when it comes to these blu-ray things so apologies uh so you, you can you can get it not from the uk at the moment Hopefully, with the success of Thor Ragnarok, it means we get this released properly and not just one screening on on film four. That would be nice. So, if you haven't if you haven't seen it, then then definitely check it out. Any more thoughts from you on on Boy? Or well, I think you know it it probably did quite well as a cinematic re release. To be honest, because yeah. it's set in the eighties, it's not dated because it's set in an era. Do you know what I yes. mean? Um, so yeah, I, and we were talking earlier about how it's great that cinemas are you know showing things on the big screen again. So yeah, if I, I would just recommend everyone watch it, any of his stuff. Um, I think he's he's an amazing talent. 
Yes, he's incredible talent, and uh, yes, long may he continue making films. Uh, right, I think that nearly brings us to the end of the show. Claire, um, thank you again for joining us. Um, we, I don't see any issue probably having you back if you'll come back at some point. Oh, uh, thanks for that having would, me. That would it's be nice. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Um, Jack's behaved himself, so that's good. Um, you haven't really said anything this week. No, I so. haven't. No, no. That's all right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's all good. So that's pretty much it from us. So uh, if you haven't followed us already, then uh, this is all on SoundCloud iTunes, wherever you can find podcasts, basically. Um, check us out on Instagram, Strangers in a Cinema, where I basically post a still from every film that I watch. Uh, and if that interests you, then uh, by all means, follow us. Uh, uh, it's Twitter, Strangers, at Strangers Cinema. Um, and we'll be back next week, I think, with certainly a review of Predator uh, and Paddington 2. So Predator and Paddington 2 next week, two uh, very, very similar <laughs> films. Bill. So, uh, yeah, it should, it should be interesting. So we will catch you all next week. Thank you for listening. And, Claire, thank you again for coming on. Shut up and sit down. Shut up and sit down.